Welcome to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast. My name's David, and this is another look at the things that affect us as kinship carers, kinship kids, and everyone in general interested in the kinship aspect of, of care. This is going to be, I, I suppose I would call it an introduction to autism. Uh, I was asked recently to do a an episode on, uh, in regard to autism. It does seem to be quite a prevalent um, issue, especially people on the, uh, the autistic uh, spectrum. Um in, in kinship care, but obviously it's, it's it's in general. So if you have anyone who's who's got autism, again, this is going to be kind of a, I don't want to say an idiot's guide, but it's going to be sort of the basics of, of autism, what to look out for, little hints and tips, and obviously things that you can you can do. Um, now, obviously, in regards to autism, um, the first thing that I have to say is that autism, there's a reason it's called autis, uh, autistic spectrum disorder, is because it is a spectrum. It, you can get, we could literally line up 100 people with diagnosed autism and they would all have different symptoms. There would be similar symptoms, obviously, between them, but there would definitely be differences along the way as well. Um, now, the, I mean, ju- just from a personal point of view, obviously, I have a, um, a nephew who's got a... Um, Actually, two nephews have got it, and a niece who's got it as well, uh, confirmed as as autism. And these three people couldn't be any more different. Um, and there's, yeah, as I say, there are similarities, and I'll, I'll tell you things to, to look out for. But you know, you can literally say that they're they're all they're all different, um, which is as, as it is with most children. Now, getting a diagnosis is often difficult. Uh, there's a I feel like they sh- should stop calling it a pathway. They should call it the long and winding road to nowhere. Um, it is very difficult to get a diagnosis. Um, if you, the, the, I mean, the one thing I would say is if at any point you have even an inkling that there might be something there is get them referred by your GP. And the reason being is that it's not uncommon for children whoever it is, to be eight, nine, ten years old before they get a diagnosis. Now, one of the things I would say is that once you've got that diagnosis, it is a massive shield for you. And the, it, it's, it's, quite, it's quite sad in a way where the thing with autistic children, a lot of autistic children, is that a lot of the behaviour feels like it's just... in. Back in back in my day, back back in the day, it would have been just classed as naughty behaviour, running around, screaming, you know, pushing things over, being aggressive. You know, there's a lot of tr- triggers and things like that. Where back in the day, we would have just said that was a naughty child, or someone playing up, or someone you know trying to push the limits and things like that. However, it, it is part of the. The, you know, the autistic spectrum and I'm not saying it's so that you can be able to say listen my child's doing that because they've got autism but it does help in a, in a way to actually explain why they're doing certain things um, and later on in life I mean once you've got that diagnosis there's one there's a thing um, called reasonable adjustments where if you've got a diagnosis of it doesn't matter what the actual illness is um, whether whether it's work, whether it's school, things like that, they have to make reasonable adjustments for yourself, um, which can be really really helpful. 
Um, if you are, say for example, you're working and if you don't tell them or if they're not aware that you have uh, autism, they could, they could, they could ask you to do things that you don't know how to do and you, or even in school. And because you can't do it, it's seen as insubordinate. You could get fired, you could get expelled, excluded, whatever it would be. But if you've, if you can explain to them, no, he's got this or she's got this and it's, and I'll get to the she part. Um, and it will, it will affect you know, whether they can concentrate, how long they can concentrate for, what they can actually do. One of the main um, habits of, you know, of people with autism is that there is a very small attention span that they will go off, and it's obviously connected to things like ADHD. And a lot, one of the main problems with the autistic spectrum is that the, the conditions do sort of bleed into each other. Um, I say in regards to, to, to girls or females, um, one of the main issues is that a lot of the times it's misdiagnosed because there are things like, for example, um, one of the main things is about, you know, it, it affects most of the senses, especially touch. And obviously the, when you're eating, you're touching food, which can sometimes be misdiagnosed as an eating disorder. Uh, so you have children who who have, but they don't like food that's crunchy or they don't like it where it's too soft or squishy or it makes a sound and because they they eat it and they're sick or they eat it or they don't eat it at all it's often misdiagnosed as as eating disorders um which unfortunately um affects the the females more than um more than more than men um so that, that would be the first thing I would say is obviously in regards to just getting on that pathway uh, because it can take years. You know, it's not uncommon uh, for, 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 for children to be. And a lot of the times, it's bec- one of the reasons is because is when they go for the assessment, um, there's, a, there's a brilliant book. I forget what the writer's called. I'll have to put a link to it. It's a brilliant book called Funny You Don't Look Autistic. And it's about, it, it's by this, uh, I believe he's American. And he, he, he tells about how his mum would take him to the doctors and whenever he went to the doctors, he would be fine. He wouldn't show any traits of autism. He'd be a good boy. He'd sit there, he'd answer the questions. And then when he would leave the room, that's when he would start what they call stimming, where he's just, you know, hooting and bouncing off the wall and everything like that. But the doctor wouldn't see that and so they wouldn't. Um, and so it got to the point where they they put him in a like a like a, a mirrored room so they could observe him before the meeting and they saw him bouncing off the wall and making the noises and everything like that and that's how they got the diagnosis because as soon as he came into the room you know you find a lot with autistic children is that although they may not know how to behave sometimes they are too strict and they are too you prim and proper um, and although I don't really like uh, the way that Sheldon is in in Big Bang Three, I don't think it's a very good description of um, of autistic traits. There there is an aspect of that where you you want order, you want structure, you know how to do things, you know how to answer it, and you're very good at at, it, at masking that, which unfortunately doesn't help when you're trying to get a diagnosis. <clears throat> now, a few of the things that um, obviously to to look out for are things like 
making obviously making loud noises, um, particularly when it's when it is when they're not aware of it. You you find um, they'll just be sitting there hooting away to themselves. A lot of the times, it's because they're trying to get other noise out of the um, out out of themselves. Uh, they don't want to hear other things. It's the the typical your know, child putting their hands up. Ma, 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 I'm not listening, but but it's constant and it's high pitched and it's squealy and and it, and it's hard to listen to sometimes. But it's it's the way that they are. Um, so that's one thing uh, to, to look out for. The other thing to look out for is is walking on their toes. Um, seems to be a very in, uh, simple. You know, it's a very common trait where they very rarely will walk on on flat-footed they'll walk like almost like tiptoe way and you find that they do this they, they'll they'll bounce around and they'll do it on their tiptoes um it's 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 quite a common thing you get them like flicking their hands and those type of things um but the other things to look out for are things like needing things in order you if you go into your, if you go into your child's room and they've lined up all of their cars or they've put their books in a particular order or they've they've organized their, te- their teddies in an order or the dolls in an order or whatever it would be um you find that they you know, they do that a lot in almost like a domino line effect um and there's no real reasoning for it the the, the apart from the desire for order you know the it's very it's very rare that they'll actually play they will just put the cars in order and they'll make a long line and then they'll just walk away from them um which can be difficult to interact with but it's it, it unfortunately is is the way um now there are obviously other you know things that that, that they'll do they'll keep asking questions they'll avoid eye, eye contact um you know there's there's literally hundreds of symptoms and if you if if you are concerned about anything you know just you know there's no harm in you know especially in these day and age with doctor's appointments being like gold dust these days you know it's it's important to sort of get these things looked at um and as I say, especially because once you've got that, then you've you've got access to the benefits, to the bus passes, to the the the, the people the people funds. You know, there's there's so much there that you could need to help them because the last thing you want is for that child to to be left behind because of something that 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 it you choose to ignore. And a lot of parents do do that. Unfortunately, they choose to ignore it. They don't want them di- um they don't want them labelled. That's the that's the common phrase. But the fact of the matter is, once they are labelled, then they can get the help. And you know that's that is the way that it is. And as I say, once you've got that diagnosis, it can help and it can open up other areas and you can see where they need help and where they don't need help um in regards to helping them a lot of it is just to do with knowing your particular child as i say because it's a spectrum disorder there is no two typical there's no such thing as a typical autistic child you know as i say you can line up 100 and each one would be different each one would react differently you know some love sounds some really hate it some love food the crunches some hate it some love cuddles some absolutely hate being touched you know it, there are so many things that you have to look out for and unfortunately you know it's 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 said that you know most people have a trait of autism in them or the autistic spectrum in them it's just about what they do with it whether it's you find that 
a lot of um, autistic children, they can memorize things really quickly. They know facts and figures and they can tell you when a book was released or how many pages are on a Harry Potter book or, you know, how many seconds are in an Aretha Franklin song and when it was released and what chart position it got. And, and a lot of that is to, you know, they become obsessive with a particular subject. Um, ours loves dinosaurs, space, and you know, can can tell you dinosaur names that I wouldn't even pretend to try and pronounce, but he can he can go through them all. And you find that that does happen. You know, they they'll learn minerals or 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 they'll learn. Yeah, I I would I don't want to call it useless facts, but a lot of times it is you know, useless trivia it's it's learning the the elements it's learning things like that and obviously there are practical elements to that and if you can if you can encourage that in some way if they if they're really good at art and try and get them into art school and whatever it would be if they're good at music you know um now the one thing i would say in regards to that is to is to avoid the stereotypes which is things like, as I say, Sheldon in The Big Bang Theory, The Rain Man. You know, just because your child's autistic doesn't mean they're going to be able to count cards. You know, it's it, it sounds like a joke, but that's unfortunately how a lot of people do view it. They view that they leave that, you know, they'll be, you know, someone who's really special will be able to learn Mozart in five seconds or do things like that. And unfortunately, you know, the... Um, I believe it's called the savant. The idiot savant is what they they used to call. It. I think it's autistic savant now. Um, it's it is rare, and it but it does happen. You, as I say, the fact of someone being able to learn all the elements is is not a it's not an easy task. You know, I've I know people who stud, studied science for years who, who can't do that, but there are autistic children who can who can do it. Um, now. Obviously, as I say, there are things that you can do. So it's about knowing that particular child. So it's about you know, if they are, don't like sound, it's about getting ear protectors or um, earmuffs, uh, anything to block out that sound. Sometimes it's something as simple as as, as wearing a hoodie, and you'll see that you're know, putting the hood up just so they can you know, block out that sound just a little bit. Um, getting anything like fidget toys. Now, obviously, we we saw. A couple of years ago, yeah, the fidget spinners became quite a big craze. Um, but these are things that you know, they do focus. You know, once once they're centered, as they say, um, you you find um, like a lot of squishy toys. There's a range of toys called Gujitsu, uh, which are like um, like dinosaur animal fighting things. So if if you have a a boy or a girl who likes that kind of thing and it's like stretch armstrong so the the, the stretch and there's there's things inside them and the you know they're quite um there's a cartoon that goes with it as well so they can become engaged with it but um but the thing the good just they do like the dc the marvel and i think disney as well um but things like that um learning the routine structure is such a massive thing uh you ha- they have to have the same cereal they have to have the same breakfast they have to have the same food uh, a particular plate particular knife and fork particular cup they need to sit you know there's there is a a, a little shredded truth in the sheldon you know you're sitting in my spot you know they do need their own spot and if you are sitting there there is anxiousness and they you know they worry and they fret and they you know they do everything else like that um so it is about 
knowing these things, and as I say, I could literally go on forever and ever about what you can do to help them. You know, as I say, it is individual to each person. Some people don't like stretch toys. Some people love them. Some people uh, use like Rubik's cubes just as, so they can look at the colors and move it around and things like that. Some people love video games. Uh, you're getting them like a little handheld games. You can buy you know, like 10, 15 pounds, um, just like a, a thing with, with like a hundred video games that they can play. Um, some people it's books and you can get, you know, little miniature versions of books that they can carry around and they can read about dinosaurs or space or animals or whatever it would be that they're interested in. Um, but it is really about getting to know that person. Uh, I mean, I say once you've got that diagnosis, it does help so much and it is about fighting for that diagnosis. So if you, if they come back and they say they don't think there's anything wrong with them and you clearly know that there is, you know, get a second opinion, try and and fight for that, especially if you are, um, if you're still under like a social worker to try and get things like the adoption support fund to try and help them with that. Uh, the seedlings here in Liverpool, I don't know if that's a national thing, but the seedlings and they can help with social interaction, which can become quite a, a difficult thing for them. You know, it's, it's quite hard for them to to make friends, keep friends, they usually latch onto people, and it's it's hard for other people to to deal with that. Um, and you know, the, as as much as I am, I I love it as entertainment. You watch things like Undateables, uh, Love on the Spectrum, those type of things, and unfortunately, you know, when you see them on you know how they interact and how they try and get a date, and they don't know the social etiquette, it is quite difficult for them to pick these things up. And so it is obviously about helping them along the way. Um, but it's, there's, there's a lot more that can be talked about. As I say, if there's anything specific in regard to this, I can obviously look into it. But if this is just, as I say, kind of like an idiot's guide, like a, an introduction to autism, I suppose it would be. Um, I'm, I Hopefully there's a few hints and tips. Um, but, you know, as I say, because of the way that it is, I could probably do a, like 20 podcasts on the same thing and how to deal with with them doing one thing or another and it, it, it will probably be its own podcast in itself but i say if you do have any any questions any thoughts anything like that that you need to to get off your chest in regard to to that please contact me um contact uh obviously also kinship care liverpool through the website through the instagram the facebook um lots of ways of getting in touch with us and even if you just want to be pointed in the right direction we can certainly see what we can do there so that's all from me. Thank you for listening. My name's David and you've been listening to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast. Thank you.